Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show podcast where we discuss the great... Uh, nope. I'm, you know what? I'm going to pull up the list. Oh, no. Uh, oh, so no. What, you need, what you're trying to do is you're trying to go back in time. I, you know what? Yes. Let's, let's look through a little video camera and let's go What's back in called? time. Snow, Snow White. White. Yeah. Um, I have a note about that. <laughs> let's go back in time to when I look at the written out intro for the show that we've been doing for two years. So right now you're basically driving a car on a freeway mm-hmm. with a large headset on. Yeah. With like a trying to scope out eye. that thing you need. And then I say, welcome to the great movies pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, the great movies. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Dylan Clare. And if you haven't guessed yet, uh, today we are not discussing one of the films covered in Robert Jer Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. Um, Nick could not join us this week due to scheduling conflicts. So Dylan and I are doing um, the sequel to our Memorial Day podcast and doing a Fat Tuesday podcast, Mardi Gras podcast. Uh, Is that what it's called? Fat Tuesday? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Fat Tuesday is the last day before uh, Ash Wednesday. And then you're in Lent, and then you have Easter. Gotcha. Interesting. So you, you go big on Fat Tuesday, because then Lent starts the next day. Gotcha. So um, <laughs> and as we continue to memorialize only the biggest and most important holidays on the calendar, um, people may remember that on Memorial Day last year, we took the opportunity to discuss the um, absolute American classic, Tony Scott, Denzel Washington collaboration, Crimson Tide. <laughs> Uh, because it's about the military and that fit for Memorial Day. And so when we were thinking about... And we loved that movie. And we loved that movie. And so we were thinking about what movies we could cover for this week. And Dylan pointed out that it was a Mardi Gras season. And when you Google Mardi Gras movies... um, Not a lot comes up. Not a lot comes up. But this movie came up. The 2006 once again collaboration between Tony Scott and Denzel Washington... The film Deja Vu. Um, which boss movie. Until like the final 30. It's, it takes like the final 30 minutes of the movie for someone to say, it's Fat Tuesday. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I spent the whole movie going, was Google wrong? Is this not set on Mardi Gras? <laughs> did, I, did we just not abide by our theme? But um, it is. And so for this week's podcast, uh, Dylan and I are going to talk about Deja Vu, yet another American classic. It's so awesome. And uh, up front, I did want to bring up uh, our boy Raj. Um, oh, yes. I did not look this up. Not a fan of early Tony Scott. Hunger, one and a half. Top Gun, two and a half. Beverly Hills Cop 2, one out of four. Revenge, two and a half out of four. Then he starts warming up. Days of Thunder, three out of four. Last Boy Scout, three out of four. True Bandman's three out of four. Crimson Tide, three and a half. Okay, okay. And we have stayed three. Spy Game, two and a half. Man on Fire 2.5. Domino 3. Okay, Roger, even I don't like Domino that much. And then he doesn't do Deja Vu. He starts warming up to late Tony Scott. And he doesn't do Deja Vu. And then he taps out after Domino? Interesting. No, but then he comes back, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, 2.5 out of 4, and then Stoppable 3.5 out of 4. I knew he liked Unstoppable. I could remember that. Well, everyone does, so. I haven't seen it yet. I need to see it. It's a huge, huge blind spot. I'm starting to think it's the best one. 
That's a weird take. I don't think so. Considering how much you love this movie and Man on Fire. And Crimson Tide. And Crimson and I, Tide. I am a, and I'm a pretty big fan of taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, even if I don't think it's nearly at the level of the other four. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I will probably sooner rather than later finally check out Unstoppable and then have an opinion about that. Uh, but today, like I said, we're talking Deja Vu, um, which for anyone who's not familiar, like I said, 2006 sci-fi action thriller um sure i mean it is if you want to if you want to define this into a box so all better for you right um it's definitely a sci-fi action thriller i am pretty confident in saying that one thing that i think we learned in like scoping out the wikipedia page and looking into the backstory of this movie is that the writers wrote it as what I think was intended to be, like a super intellectual sci-fi time travel, like you it's know. supposed to be like a, a transcendental, yeah, like like a have... like a primer or something. And uh, then, of course, per the writer's description, and I think this is probably true, um, Tony Scott got a hold of the script and was like, "Cool." Uh, action movie about the surveillance state. I can make that story. Um, <laughs> he was like, "We're gonna go themes," and so it's We're kind of both. Action. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's pretty much both. And I was telling you this afternoon before we were recording that as I was, you know, I watched it last night, rewatched it. I'd seen it before. Um, and then I was sort of doing some more prep, revisiting some scenes earlier today. And it was raising all these questions for me about the time travel <laughs> elements and the logistics. And that's when you were like, yeah, maybe don't worry about that. Yeah, the thing is, Tony Scott didn't worry about it. I'm not worried about so it. So why should I? Exactly. So, all right. Well, let's let's go back to the beginning. When was the first time you saw this movie? Probably five years, maybe after it came out. Um, one of those I just heard about and then watched and was like, hmm, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't hit my Tony Scott phase until later. Okay. Um, I did like Man on Fire, I think, from the beginning, though. Like, I was pretty high on that. And it was only on... I think I was... I was I, I maybe had grown in my estimation since watching even though if I haven't seen it all. But when I rewatched all five Tony Scott Denzel collabs when we did our Crimson Tide podcast and just just for, just for kicks and giggles. Oh, right. Um, right, yeah. That was when I was like, God, yeah, Deja Vu. It's, it's real good. It's it's real good. And um I will say on rewatch again. Yeah. It's pretty fucking good. Yes, yeah. So what's funny is so I must have seen this. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I might have. I think I just like probably like rented it right when it came out for rental, like pretty early on. This would have still been like blockbuster days. Um and so I'm pretty sure I just rented it as soon as it came out because I was like, okay, yeah, Denzel Washington movie, gonna see this. The kind of sad thing about this movie is it was a big blockbuster or bargain bin DVD, yeah, sort of movie, and it's incredibly elevated in ways that it doesn't really belong. And that's it's got sort of a style to it that maybe it could be bargain bin, right? Well, so that's the thing, right? So when I'll say, like I said, I I, I saw it when it came out, and Hadn't seen it, I don't think, 
since. I must have like I've come across it on FX or whatever and and seen yeah. little bits, but I hadn't really sat down and watched it in probably 15 years. And I we put it on last night and I was like, "Okay, so this movie it's like I think it's like it's a like groundhog day and like he's trying to stop this fairy from blowing up and I think he like keeps going back in time to like try to stop this fairy blowing up. Um and then like halfway through the movie I'm like, "No, I remembered this very wrong. It's not really sure. that. It's it's not like it's only the sort of third act, cl- you know, climax that even involves any real time travel at all. Um, and so I definitely misremembered it a little bit. But when it was starting, it it's so funny. I mean, it just starts with like, they don't even need to put Tony Scott's name on it. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just with the music and sort of like the jerky start stop of the camera and everything is orange. And it was just like, okay, I like... It hits you with a with a hey, mood, Tony. yeah. Hey, what's up? Uh, hits you with a mood, and like the music. Sorry, I'll get back to something in a second. <laughs> <laughs> the music, um, like even is like it's a different composer, but like it's very Top Gunny. Like it has that same sure. kind of uh, bombastic vibe that yeah. you're looking for. Uh, well, and, and while Tony Scott is the main like auteur of this movie, and is as far as you want to take auteur theory, one of the biggest auteurs of auteur theory, um, it is also very Bruckheimer. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, yes. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's Con Air. It's The Rock. It's, like, very Bruckheimer. Yeah. 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 Including the score. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruckheimer and Scott together, really, just, they, they, they were bit made for each yes. other. Yeah. I agree. <sighs> yeah. I... Is Gore better with... Bruckheimer or is Tony? It's so... Terry Bruckheimer is such a, like, insane person. Um, but... <laughs> He's like a Michael Bay of producers, yeah. but gets the best directors to make his insane shit. Mm-hmm. So it works. Yeah. 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 I, I'm a big fan of the Bruckheimer-Scott collaborations in general. Um, what is... Is Bruckheimer still out there? Like... I think producing? one of the biggest Marvel kills that happened since the MCU is just, I think Breckheimer's dead. Yeah. Although, still technically alive, but 78 years old. Like, which is just, that makes sense. He's been producing movies since, like, <laughs> the 70s and 80s. But it is just wild to picture, like, big, brash Jerry Bruckheimer being, like, nearly 80 years old. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out like what was the last big movie he produced, yeah. and uh, my Wi-Fi is slow as heck. My today. internet's also being terrible. I, I blame everyone's home from work on Friday night, and uh, we're oh, this is sure. this is a real off time recording. You know, we, we're normally a Sunday morning record, and this is a, a rare Friday night record. And I had forgotten that my internet is terrible on Friday nights because everybody in my apartment building comes home and uh, like puts on Netflix or whatever, and. The, the internet grid just slows to a crawl. Okay, so his last few big movies. Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Sure. Gemini Man. Ooh, sure. Bad Boys for Life. Oh, I mean, biggest hit of 2020. It was. And then... No, no, no. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you made a face. Um, and then, I, I, it's just like nothing... Well, the pandemic slowed Until everybody Until Top Gun down. Maverick. Okay. All right. So he's... He, he was producing a lot of television. He was doing CSI Vegas, Amazing Race, Lucifer, all the stuff. He just... But... CSI alone. Like, if he hadn't done 
any of the 8 million mega blockbuster movies that he'd done, CSI alone would have like made him a gazillion dollars. It's wild to think how much money this man must have. Yeah. Um, he has so much stuff on the burner. He has the Wild Bunch remake that Tony Scott was originally tied to. Ooh. He has another Pirates of the Caribbean project going on. He has National Treasure 3, which may still happen. They've been talking about uh, it. The, the actual Bad Boys 4, not Bad Boys 4 Life, Beverly Hills Cop 4. Yeah. A lot of stuff um, in the hopper. A lot of... You got a lot of franchises. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think you're right. I think one of the things that the the MCU has robbed us of, and this is not remotely some sort of... Uh, insightful opinion but is the large-scale non-ip blockbuster movies like you're not going to get something like a deja vu that's not based on characters or pre-existing ip Um, even then even all these things that he has been like i've heard rumored getting trying to get off the ground uh for years now all of them are still sequels right stuff to exist things that exist it's not you know gemini man or um yeah lone Ra- i guess lone ranger lone ranger's ip, IP. Yeah, i mean not not, yeah, not that, ip I, anyone I cared about but yeah but no gemini man is really the only actually original thing that he's done in a very 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 long time it really switches like just pre deja vu post deja vu when the nc started he really started having to pull from ip but pre that yeah he's making you know Glory Road. You remember Glory Road? I do remember Glory Road, yes. <laughs> That's a movie I saw a lot as a kid, I think. That's funny. I remember way too much about Glory Road. But yeah, National Treasure, um, Black Hawk Down, Gone in 60 Seconds, a movie that I really oh. a movie that I really love. <laughs> Just awesome Nick Cage. Just he was like, uh, yep. Okay, let's go. Yeah. In case it was not clear, Dylan was doing the, like, Nick Cage hand shaking, like, speaking of it, just an absolutely deranged Robert Duvall performance. Um, Oh, my God. Not that there's been any other kind in the past 25 years, but. Let's go to Con Air, and then let's just say deranged performance from every single person in that cast. Yeah. There's. God, there's fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, man, I I do miss these. And, like, I, I know there are still, like, big. Well, big's maybe not the right word. Like, there still are these kind of, like, junky action movies, but they're not big like this. They're not filled with stars. They're not... Well, they're mostly streaming. Yeah. And they're both... They're always working on a streaming budget. Yeah. Streamings will allocate huge dollars to either Martin Scorsese or movies they think they can platform for sequels to keep people on. Are, are you talking Red Notice? You're, you're talking... Yeah, yeah you're talking that's exactly what I was going yeah. for. Mm-hmm. So they could get... The Rock and Gal Gadot together. And Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, but th- th- that was the twist ending, right? I'm trying to remember exactly that. Oh, the twist for to the, Red they're, Notice. They're together. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, a, a twist that I know from reading the Wikipedia page, but it's a, uh, it's a very bananas one. But yeah, we just don't get, we don't really get the, the deja vus of the world anymore, which is too bad. Um because as we have talked about a little bit before recording, like this, like what a movie star movie this is. Like this is, this is the other thing you don't get. It's just oh, like, shit. this movie is just like drop Denzel in a ridiculous premise 
and he will just carry like he does it. He just sells everything and he just carries you pro. through. Um talk, talk I mean she's not a star at this point, but one of the first actors we see is Elle Fanning, which he's like, you know what? Look, we got Dakota Fanning in my last yep. second to last movie. You know, I made her a star. It's such an iconic, like, little innocent blonde girl. Yep. And, like, it's such a visual moment this girl, like, drops her doll over the edge of this ship oh, that's about to get destroyed. they really linger on it, too, in that oh, opening my, thing. The, you, like, watch. You, you think it's going to be one shot. Yeah. Uh, like, a, one, like, a shot, reverse shot to her. No. And then cuts back. The water gets heavier on the doll. You cut back to her, like, kind of crying. The, it starts to sink. <laughs> I also thought that, okay, so when we inevitably come back to the fairy scene, <laughs> something like, she's not going to drop the doll, or he's going to, like, catch the... No. We just see that exact same thing play out again. <laughs> we just watch the doll go into well, the water the again. At the end is... I mean, we're skipping oh, so far ahead, yeah. missing so much there context. Go, yeah. But people still die. Like, he, ha- like our character, our man that we stayed the whole movie with, has to die. So, yeah, yes, people still die. Um, but, yes, wildly out of context discussion <laughs> of the end of Deja Vu. Like, five people One die of the most instead of 500, yes, right? Like, yes. I mean, which is sad. Like, five, like, like the, the security officers on the boat, like, definitely get shot to hell. Oh, they get shot hard. They get shot real, real bad. Um, and then, you know, our terrorist dies and... and Denzel has to bl- Denzel blow up has in real gnarly himself. fashion. Um, there's a there's like a line <laughs> this, early. This bomb killed 500 people, oh. and he's the one person that's gonna get hit with the bomb. Also, my no, one of my favorite lines. So okay, so let's let's go back because this this will transition because this happens at the beginning. So the movie opens with a a bunch of. Uh, sailors, U.S. Navy sailors and their families boarding this ferry. It's it's Fat Tuesday. It's Mardi Gras. Um, we're in New Orleans, and they're getting on this ferry to go to some like Fat Tuesday celebration. And everything's tons of people. Every, on this boat. They're packed. There's a, a teacher with school children. There's so sailors and their families. Um, when the saints come marching in, is like playing being played <laughs> by a brass band. It's everything is orange tinted, and it's all herky jerky. The doll gets dropped. Um, it's, you know, and then we see a security guard sort of, because it's a ferry, it has a bunch of cars on it. And so we see a security guard kind of like poking around the cars, realizes pretty quickly that one of the cars is like filled with explosives, um, a... Almost to a ridiculous proportion. I do not know how it got on the boat. Truly a ridiculous... Like amount of like explosives in this car, the Beach Boys are now playing on the radio. Oh my god! When they could do the Beach Boys needle so drop, funny. and so we get this Beach Boys needle drop, and then the guy like sees the car bomb, and then the bomb goes off, and it is the biggest <laughs> explosion you've ever seen. Um, I didn't look too much into how they actually did this. I think a lot of this was like fairly practical effects. I saw some talk yeah. about like this movie got. Not an Oscar movie, but it did get awards for like stuntmen and special effects and things like that from those industries. Mm-hmm. Um, hell of a shot of a guy on fire, like jumping, like being thrown. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like very yeah. memorable. It's like guy on fire getting like thrown off of the ferry into the water. Um, but it's so funny because then when law enforcement shows up and someone's like, they, "There's some line about like this could have been an accident or something," and I'm like. 
did you see the size of that explosion? I don't think, I don't think that was like bad wiring. I don't think, I, I'm not sure that we have to really work that hard to rule out maybe it was an accident when a fireball exploded an entire ferry and we find out killed like over 540 people on a ferry. Yeah. Like this is a, this is a legit like serious terrorist attack we're talking about. Not just like, whoops, something went wrong on a boat. Let me read you this small section about the filming okay. of, and I cannot believe this is the name of the boat, the Stump. Oh, yes. It's the Stump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that stupid John Oliver bit where he tried to call Trump Drump. <laughs> it does sound like that. Yes. Like it's, yeah. Um, the explosion of the Stump was filmed using an actual New Orleans ferry in a portion of the Mississippi River, section off especially for the event. The occurrence took, and th- they were trying to emphasize how long it took, but it scares me how little time this took. The occurrence took over four hours to prepare. Well, that's it? Okay. Yeah. With that explosion on the Mississippi River? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm now reading the next sentence from the Wikipedia page. Under the supervision of pyrotechnics expert John Fraser, the ferry was coated entirely with fire retardant and rigged with 50 gasoline bombs. <laughs> Each set to detonate in a five-second range. The people in cars were added in later. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad we did not have the people in cars on the ferry. That's a Bruckheimer production. He might have figured yeah. out some way he could do it. The spectacular explosion actually caused no significant structural damage to the ferry. After a bout of sandblasting and repainting, the ferry was very similar to its previous state, and it returned to service four days after production of the film scene concluded. <laughs> Okay, now I wish I had the DVD to, like, watch the behind the scenes to see, like, actually how big the explosion looked. I'm sure they emphasized yeah, it bigger. Flames, on... like, even now, we were talking about this when we were watching it last night. Like, and I'm sure you notice this all the time. Like, even now, when you see fake flames, like, we, we still can't obvious. really convincingly do fake fire, fake flames. I feel like it looks... That and water are just the things that we always struggle with. Right. And so, watching this explosion, I was like... Well, that's a real, that's real fire. Like that's, that's not, that's. At least most of it. Right, exactly. And I'm, so I'm sure it was like you said, em, you know, emphasized, kind of zhuzhed up in some way. But I mean, obviously they had all those gasoline bombs. So they, uh, they blew some <laughs> so crap up. Uh, yep. Which is pretty crazy. Um, and apparently during the filming of the underwater car scenes, they did uh, drop actual cars into the water. So. Yeah. Jerry's going to do his shit. Yeah. They, they were going to go big. Um. But yeah, so that that opening scene is super crazy intense, um, which is what brings Denzel into this movie. He is an ATF agent, uh, mm-hmm. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Um, his name and explosives. And explosives. His name. He's Special Agent Douglas Carlin. Did you notice how every time he said his name, he said it as Carlin? Carlin. <laughs> It's just so funny. And then, like, other characters started saying it that way. And I'm like, was that, like, an actual note in the script? Or did Denzel just pronounce it that way? And then everybody else did the same thing? It's like, well, if he says it that way, I'll say okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Oh. oh, my my biggest note, speaking of okay, is in the one scene where, like, the the special agent type folks are sort of, like, trying to explain to him, like, what's going on or what's happening. And he just kind of looks at them with that big nod and goes... Okay, <laughs> you're like, oh my god, Denzel. It's just like you're like, it's what we were saying. He gets dropped into this completely unbelievable, difficult to parse situation, but he just 
carries you through it the the whole way. Well, the thing is, is he kind of at reacts to the technology the way Tony Scott did was like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, sure, fine, okay, just keep showing me the stuff. Um, so yeah. what happens very quickly is he cares about seeing the girl. He want, yes, uh, yeah. We he's he's doing his investigation. The FBI shows up. Um, he meets up with Val Kilmer. Um, special. Who, what, how do you pronounce his name? Oh my god. Uh, Val Kilmer is Special Agent Paul Prizwara. Right? Is that... If you say so. Yeah, it's. I can't. Re- I can't remember how it's pronounced in reading that name. I'm pretty like, sure he says Prizwara. Like he says it okay. pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it's like a Polish last name that I'm probably not quite pronouncing right and maybe Val Kilmer necessarily isn't even either but if they can't get Carlin right Carlin um Carlin or Stott pretty well the names in this movie are great like because we also have Claire Kuchever is uh Paula Patton's character and then Carol Orstadt is uh <laughs> is Jim Caviezel's character and then yeah Val Kilmer is Paul Przwara um everybody else is a little bit more uh easy to remember and pronounce but those names were a bit of a hurdle um but he meets val kilmer and hold hold, hold on before we yes. go on so the name prizwara mm-hmm. seemed very strange to me the point where i looked it up mm-hmm. um and uh there is a old philosopher named prizwara i think it says in the wikipedia it's like Pshwara or something yeah um his ideas was the distinction between essence and existence that runs through a whole of created reality. It defines created reality in difference from its God, the creator whose essence is to be and therein for Prizwara lies the ground for the analogy of being. Interesting. I wouldn't... Someone picked that name, I think, a little carefully. Yes, I, I'm guessing that is a holdover from the original script with those like very conscientious sci-fi forward screenwriters yeah. who wrote that original script that probably had like big heady themes in mind when they sure put that together. And Tony Scott had heady themes in that other direction. He sure did. He was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a car chase and shit blew up? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he specifically told them like he only cares about the uh, security uh, like governmental watch element and like yeah. how this can affect right. those behind it, the camera right. as he well. In front. Definitely, like yeah, this is a real like, so like I said, like surveillance state. Like yeah, what does it mean to be watching and surveilling and sort of intruding on people's lives, kind of thing? Which I think the two stories that are being told come together well enough. Like. You know, I'm, I'm sure if I had spent a lot of time, like years of my life, thinking about the logistics of the time travel elements, I maybe would not be as thrilled with. Uh... They have graphs of the time travel topology in the Wikipedia it's, page. Like it sounds, they primary. seem to really think through this. But yeah. yes, the emotions of the original script, I think, come through even with yeah, the Tony Scott. I think so too. Um, yeah, I, I think so too. Because um, I do think it sounds like one of their original ideas was sort of the the guy falls in love with the or like the first time he sees her, she's already dead and then sort of falls in love. So part of this investigation, uh, Paula Patton's body washes ashore and, you know, it's all charred and everything. And it looks like she's a victim of the uh, terrorist attack. But then it based on sort of the timing of when. The witness called yeah. in her, like, she washed ashore before the boat exploded. So 
something doesn't add up. And this is when I, because I could not remember what, how this movie went, and I was like, wait, is she tra- traveling through time? Like, did she come? <laughs> no, uh, I overthought this every step of the way. But what Denzel sort of pretty immediately realizes and turns out to be true is that she was murdered and somebody tried to make it look like she was part of the, the fairy bombing. But we have this very creepy scene in the autopsy um where it's like because it is supposed to be like they comment on how beautiful she is and it's sort of like very lovingly portraying her (laughs) my biggest problems are with the script actually like this original concept concept. it's a little creepy um my biggest problem and this is not denzel's fault this is not something that i i doubt he uh, improvised but like because there's a whole thing where like there's duct tape over her mouth and so it's like kind of clear she must have been kidnapped and there's like residue and he's like he like pokes her lips because it's like has like, this like sticky residue on it from the duct tape and he's just kind of like literally like poking her in the mouth and it was like buddy what are you doing i don't think that's proper procedure for this autopsy that's evidence tampering yeah don't just like poke the beautiful woman's mouth as she lies on the autopsy table um but, uh, you know, it's supposed to be evident of sort of his feeling a connection to her. It's weird. Um, but <laughs> one thing I skipped over is that he has this connection with Val Kilmer because when they first meet up, I think Val Kilmer kind of blows him off as like, you're ATF and I'm FBI. I'm like the real investigator. Yeah. But then he immediately like spots this big clue of like the explosive residue on the bridge. Um, and so Val Kilmer's like, hmm, this guy's pretty smart, knows what he's talking about. And he, you know, they have these conversations with him and Val Kilmer's boss, played by Bruce Greenwood, who is like your go-to, you know, official suit boss man in eight. Don't you love things. just Bruce Greenwood? Yeah, like, real sense of authority coming up in the middle of a movie and just like. And what's funny about it is like, and this it, it pays off very quickly in this scene is I'm like, oh, he's. He's a real, like, hard-ass stick in the mud. He's not going to trust Denzel. He's going to just be. And so then, you know, after Denzel um, has, they have, like, a little interaction about the case and walks away. And then there's this conversation between Val Kilmer and Bruce Greenwood's characters where it's like, do you like him? Yeah, he's smart. And it's like, oh, right. There, there's. It's not going to be the, like, we don't trust you. You know, you are too rogue or something. Like, no, they're, they're on the same page. Um, yeah. Which very quickly results in Val Kilmer bringing Denzel in to the fold of this special investigation (laughs) that they're doing, um, which, as we have kind of been hinting at, is sort of time travel, sort of drone surveillance, sort of um, a combination thereof. And this is the Snow White program, which is called they don't they don't explain in the movie why it's called Snow White. Right, but it's no. but it's because in Snow White, there's a magic mirror you can look into and see what's uh-huh. happening elsewhere. Right, like that's the idea. I honestly thought it was more referential to the movie where there's this girl who dies and you try to bring her back to life. Oh, sure, sure, but like they don't know that yet. Yeah, I get that. Because okay. I, <laughs> I was like, why would they call it But that's it right. Snow that makes White? much more I sense. I think they would call it Snow White because Snow White, there is the mirror mirror on the wall. And then you can like sort of look into the mirror and it'll show you. I mean, it's it's goofy. Because they're no not looking what. exactly at a screen. What it's... are they looking at? 
It looks almost like the Minority Report looking into the past. Like hologram kind of? Yeah, it looks really sort of fuzzy and open like that. Mm-hmm. But I, it's hard to describe. The thing is, is um, so what they're doing is, is they're folding time back yeah, it's... on itself. But it, you can only look back at a very certain... Yeah, exactly. They I'm do the, the, the fold paper. the paper. What other movie does that? Is it an Interstellar? What is it in? There's some other movie. I feel like it's a Nolan movie. Is it in? It wouldn't be it, Inception. I mean, Interstellar is the only other one that has a wormhole, right? Does not have a wormhole? Because they talk about time, the dilation of time, and like depending on where you are. And I'm just keeping. Oh, I think again. I know what it is. Stranger Things. I have not seen Stranger Things. Uh, are there wormholes? I think they do that in Stranger. I mean. They talk about it. Like, There's on a the portal to another dimension, and I think the the professor of the kids like folds the paper and then puts a pencil through that, it. It's like that's. I've definitely seen someone fold a paper and put a pencil through it, but I do think that that the like paper folding going through is like a very common like uh, way to yeah. demonstrate wormhole time travel theory. Um, but yes, sorry, that's what a. Uh... That, that, that's what they do is they do the the paper thing um but so yeah they're i guess you're right maybe it's not really i don't know it kind of looks like they're looking at screens but again uh one of the first twists but, in the movie is like it goes two ways because they yeah. tell him we can't influence anything they sort of tell him it's literally just us collecting information from seven days ago yeah, they're not exactly upfront with what it no, is. No, and he decides to uh, experiment or call their bluff via creative use of a laser pointer. Yeah, <laughs> which he shines towards whatever they're looking at, and then catches her attention, and that's when you realize that uh, it's a real effective moment. It's very effective, and what I like about it, and it's what I like about this movie a lot overall, which is just like immediate. It's not like. It's not some extended, like, who knows what and who... No, immediately he's like, yeah, you guys were lying to me. You told me that we couldn't affect what was happening in the past. I used this laser pointer and I just proved it. So why have you been lying to me? <laughs> like, he just immediately calls them out. Mr. Policeman. Mr. Policeman. Uh, I gave you all the clues. <laughs> okay. So just to be clear, by the way, they're using this thing to go back in time to try to allege- to try to figure out who blew up the ferry. But quickly Denzel's like, well, whoever blew up the fairy, murdered her first, so let's follow her around, and then we can maybe figure out, you know, how she was connected, who blew up the fairy because who murdered her. But then and there's also, of course, a scene where they're, like, following her through her house, and, you know, she's going to take a shower, and the, yeah. the token female character is like, do we have to actually watch her get in the shower? And then, of course they do anyway so they like really are trying to have your cake and eat it too moment where they do have a character say like you know this isn't relevant to our investigation and the movie just kind of lets it play out anyway until she uh, yeah gets in the shower i don't know i'm curious to know if that was in the original script yeah because a lot of this like sort of creepy gazing which it is like having your cake and eat too yeah. and this movie is compared quite often to vertigo mm-hmm. which i haven't seen which you haven't seen, but is sort of like this person trying to reach back to someone dead and trying to, like, save them or fix them. Okay, got you. In a way that appeals to them. 
And um, But there's no technology allowing you to actually uh, affect the past in Vertigo? Or is Vertigo like a secret no, sci-fi? No. Okay, darn. <laughs> That'd be wild if there was this Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> sci-fi story that I didn't know about. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I know. Um, Never know. But uh, so they, they go to her house. And so like we're, we're going to jump a little bit all over the place. But this is just where I want to sort of talk about how Par- the, the paradoxes or causal time loops or what are we dealing with in this movie because I sort of thought I knew what I was dealing with and then I was reading about it today and I saw some statements from people who seemingly had interpreted this very differently than I had and so maybe I was like oh okay. maybe I was way off so and you contacted Matt and I, so there was like a whole investigation <laughs> I did done and poor you. Matt was trying to like finish up his work day and was like why are you bothering me about this right now um well, because then he tried to be like, because I was like, I think this creates a paradox. And he was like, no, that's not a paradox. And I was like, well, what about this? And he was like, Jesus, I don't, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, sorry. I got, I got like really worked up. Um, I'm at work, Jenna. I'm at work. Why are you yelling at me about Prisoner of Azkaban right now? And I was like, well, it's relevant. Well, if, if there's one movie to yell at people about the well, time travel. Because of paradoxes and, and causal time loops. And so, okay. We go to Paula Patton's house, Claire's house. And we see a whole bunch of things. We see bloody rags, like in the sink sure. and in the trash can. We see uh, Mr. Policeman. No, we see um, little. It's something. If, if, if anyone knows the Snowman, oh meme, yes, the movie The Snowman. Mr. Policeman, it, you could have saved her. I gave you all the clues. You all the clues. There's a. Well, well, you said the picture. Let, they're letter magnets. Like... There's, there's, there's those letter magnets that you can like rearrange on a fridge, and it spells out, "You can save her." And so we see that and we, you know, so we see that you can save her. We see like bloody stuff all over the place. And then we also like listen into some voice, you know, or like not even yet. Because when he goes to her house, this, is, this isn't when they're looking back in time. Sorry. This is when he goes to her house. So during the regular investigation, we are in the current time period. He goes to her house. He finds all this stuff. He sees you can save her. He sees bloody rags and stuff. He listens to some uh answering machine messages because this is like right at the tail end of when you could plausibly have somebody have an answering machine that you like <laughs> hit play on and listen to out loud this was make this might be literally the last movie where you can get away with <laughs> doing that before they would just have cell phone voicemail it's very possible but um you know we hear these these um voicemails where she says like confusing things like are you joking there's somebody here and all this stuff and so we see all this stuff which, as you're watching it happen, you know, okay, these are, we're going to find out later why this is all here, why this all happened. Yeah. And what we end up finding out is all of that stuff is there and happens because Denzel goes, has gone back. This is the question. Will go in the future, has already gone back. And his presence affected all of those things. Like... The implication on the Wikipedia pages, it's he's tried to do this before and See, has that, failed. That's the that that didn't even occur to me. That's the implication. I, I, it, it, when, when I saw that in my Wikipedia page research today, I was like, oh, okay, wait. Thank you. Okay, so so you and I, are, I think, are more on the same page here. Three watches and I never caught that. I ne- that never occurred to me. I thought it was more just a, a time Causal loop. And the reason loops. why I bring up Prisoner of Azkaban... Because in Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry is, like, getting, like, his soul sucked out by the Dementors. 
And then a Patronus comes and saves his life. And he like thinks it's his dad. It's all very exciting. <laughs> and then, but then things don't work out the way he wanted. So he ta- travels back in time to relive that like evening and try to change things. And what we find out is he saved himself by sending the Patronus, right? Like, sorry, spoilers for a 20-year-old Harry Potter book. but <laughs> It's an amazing movie moment. Right. It's and a, book. It's but... an amazing moment. But it's, it's so okay. But so then the only reason he survived to go back in time was that he was saved by this thing that was actually him saving himself. So it's, it's like it's a kind of paradox, right? Like it's this. Yeah, sure. It's this loop of causality that like. And so that's how I just interpreted this. Like he sees the message you can save her because he wrote the message you can save her. But because, yeah. you know, um, on you, you never watched Lost, right? You're not a Lost person. No. There's also some of this in, in Lost, which I think people who even haven't watched it knows it gets into time travel eventually. And there's some things that, like, you know, we come to find out happened because, like, characters we know went in the past and made it happen. And they sort of just, they have a their scientist character be like, whatever happened, happened. If you did it, you were always going to do it. Like, it happened because you were always going to go back in time. Um, and that's just kind of how I interpreted this. But... Like you were saying, whoever wrote the Wikipedia page seemed to interpret it as like, this is his fifth attempt or something. Yeah. Which I've seen other time travel stories do that, but they're usually more explicit about it. If there's yeah. usually something that's more explicit that was like, oh, you tried this and failed. I'm blanking right now on like what's an example I can't of that. I think of one. But I know I've seen things where it's like, this is not your first time going back. But that's just that just was not my interpretation i just yeah. thought it was like well you know time loops what you're gonna do yeah so i'm trying to i couldn't think of one yeah um but, because yeah you just sort of see from very early on that like a lot of this stuff doesn't really you know add up um and then but it is fun when you get to the end later and you get to see sort of why like I, I love i'm a sucker for that it's why i like time travel stories and things because then when you get to the final act and you're seeing you're like oh, oh those that's were his bandages because he was shot he's gonna change the thing on the um you know fridge the you know he's standing there when the the voicemail happens um i'm such a sucker for that it always uh i don't know i always find it very satisfying when it's well done like it is here yeah it's it's very well done yeah um i'm trying to think of what other oh so the, the reason this is all happening, like I said, is there's this, like, special FBI unit that kind of is doing this. And they're um, teamed up with these scientists who created this technology, um, including Adam Goldberg and his, like, amazing hair in this movie. It's wild. It's great. Uh, what a what a look for him. He's such a recognizable dude, too. Oh, absolutely. Super recognizable, like, recognizable voice, recognizable look, and just, like, has these um, this amazing, crazy long hair in this movie but um he's another guy who i feel like has slowed down a lot oh he's on that equalizer the equalizer tv show with queen latifah that's what he's doing just like sick it is denzel in him oh it's true speaking of the equalizer um okay he's actually still been working pretty regularly just not in a single thing that uh i watch or pay attention to so seem to transition more to tv a lot more to TV, and then you know what? It looks like you know what he's popping up in these days is um 
like those a lot of those sort of crappy DTV like Bruce Willis type uh, action movies. Sure. So, well, I mean, it seems like there's money to be made there. So, interesting. Um, but so, um, like we said, they're doing all this surveillance and pretty quickly. And we can talk about the the chase sequence because I know you want to talk about that. But pretty quickly, they zero in on on Jim Caviezel's character as they sort of you you don't you you know the person pretty quickly. It's yes. not like a secret. It's or not really a to... whodunit or anything. It's like they through this to sort of weirdly it. convoluted thing about like him needing to buy a car and her car is for sale because her <laughs> her and her boyfriend broke up, and he calls from a payphone and they're able to like track him down via this payphone usage they like very quickly uh identify yeah. jim caviezel who hilariously like the wikipedia page has a section that's like you know he may have this this may have been influenced um inspired by timothy mcveigh it's like they reference oklahoma city in the movie yeah. they literally say like oh yeah oklahoma city it's like, yeah okay um so that, that's not really like a a big uh insight there no offense uh wikipedia editors but yeah he's a he's a domestic terrorist he's you know yeah. a lot of really skin crawly talk about like true patriots and etc etc yeah it's pretty it's a pretty tough watch honestly um <laughs> and just kind of wild like um this would have been 10 years after or more oklahoma city it's like god we've just been just dealing with these nutsos for you know going on 30 years now very very cool uh, That's true. Also, this movie was going to be put out. It was going to be made earlier, but it got delayed by 9-11. Yep. So, yeah. it's another, like, a... Yeah, it got delayed by 9-11, and then um, ended up being made in um, in New Orleans, partially sort of, like, as a, a way to sort of bring film back to new orleans post katrina and try to do some yeah. like economic stimulation and stuff so there there are there's a couple of like katrina references and like sort of shots of post katrina new orleans ninth ward references in this movie which are are very of its time also yeah so but they they pretty quickly figure out that jim caviezel did this because he's a disgruntled domestic terrorist um and then there's this pretty wild chase scene because part of the conceit is when they through their window into the past, this machine they have gives them like a limited radius. And so if someone is leaving the radius that they have a, like whatever past camera footage of, you have to like put on a mobile headset (laughs) and chase them out of the radius. Yes. (laughs) Do you want to talk about this scene a little bit? And well, it's 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 the most bonkers chase scene ever you have. Okay. This, there's basically three locations going on. One, we have Mission Control yeah. trying to narrate to Denzel what to do. Mm-hmm. Two, we have Denzel driving a, like a, an armored vehicle down a busy highway. Uh, and three, we have Jim Caviezel driving like at a scary nighttime locale. And Denzel has a little, I think, where he can see what Caviezel's doing. And then he, he, with his other eye, he can see what's actually going yeah, on. It's like one of those like little things that like flips down over one eye, and so it's yeah. like it's like having one eye in the past and one eye it's in the present. Awesome! The whole conceit of this and the, I don't know, he cares so much more about the past than he does that present eye. Well, that's he, like, why he, he gets is, his 
ass run over by a uh, big rig on that bridge, basically. Yeah. Well, and he runs his ass over many cars. Yeah. And it starts to become like, like the mission controls just watching like, oh, fuck. Yeah, they, they, they have lost control of the situation pretty quickly. Yeah, Denzel really goes rogue and it's like, you know, what business allows him to sort of do the things that he's doing mm-hmm. is is this morally right if he can fix the past or find the killer and um it's scary it does remind me a lot of jimmy stewart in vertigo where you, you're watching this person do something you assume is a good thing mm-hmm. in vertigo there's this weird sort of fantasy of like you know is this person possessed try to try to find her and understand her and save her almost mm-hmm. and you're just watching this person go mad doing it and it, it it is a little intense and it i think denzel is thrown into this absolutely bonker it's it's bonkers in vertigo mm-hmm. alone yeah. but throw in that sci-fi the time travel tony scott not holding a shot for more than half a second mm-hmm. and denzel just handles it like a pro yeah it's so good yeah. It's, the most, it's one of the most amazing action sequences of the 2000s, in my opinion. Yeah, it is it is truly chaotic, um, but intentionally so. And so it is kind of, like, thrilling to watch just because it is so, yeah, chaotic. But, again, it's it's supposed to be for our characters and in the world of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we follow what's going on as well as the characters are doing. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think and- that is correct. While while still keeping us just as audience members still enveloped in what's happening. It doesn't yeah. alienate us, but it's also just as confusing as it is for the people in that scene. Yeah. That's incredibly difficult to pull off. But I did see that Tony Scott was not a fan of his direction. He was pretty negative about this movie on, of his own. Yeah. And I, I I just think he did a great job. I wish, uh, wish yeah. he didn't think that way. I know. Maybe he could have gone better. Maybe. You never know. Yeah, how many movies did he make after this? He made two. He made Power just... and Unstoppable. Okay, wow. Because Domino's the one just before this, Correct. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah, then it was just Power and Unstoppable. Yeah, and I saw it. Well, yeah, oh, man, 04, 05, 06, Man on Fire, Domino, Deja Vu. Um, Dom- what's uh, what's Pelham? Is that... Pelham 09? is 09, yeah, and then Unstoppable yeah, and then, uh, is 2010. And then he passes away basically right after that in 2012. I did think, I think I saw somewhere that uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi has Unstoppable in his top 10 of the 2010s. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, like Tarantino freaking loves that movie. Uh, He's in my corner. He knows all, that's the all in on that. Um, yeah, I need, I need to watch it. It just looks super fun. Yes. So I was just Hama- sort of... The, oh my god! I'm, I'm looking at Hamaguchi has it at two wow. of the decade. Um, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the posters for Unstoppable and Pelham One Two Three, and they're like exactly the same. Uh, Denzel looking concerned well, over Den- shoulder. Den- no, Denzel uh, on Pelham One Two Three. It's the title in the middle. Concerned Denzel up top. <laughs> scary John Travolta on the bottom, and then Unstoppable is title in the movie. Concerned Denzel on top. Concerned Chris Pine on the bottom. Um. Whereas yes, of deja course, vu works deja too. vu is just den, but it's all Denzel, just concerned no. Denzel looking over. Then there's his a shoulder. fireball on no, his shoulder with is. Paula Patton enveloped in it. Oh, there she is! You're right. It's it's yep. it's subtle. I thought that was just fire. I literally did not see her lurking in that corner. 
Okay, I, I have to do this. I have to pause the podcast. I know we're on a time limit, but... That's okay. We're not going through this too much. Hamaguchi's top 10 in the 2010s. Okay. 10. The day after Hong Sang Su. Okay. Okay. All right. Nine. The other sign of hope. Mm-hmm. Aki Kurismaski. Okay. Eight. Patterson, Jim Jarmusch. Okay. I'll watch that eventually. Uh, it, these make sense. Yeah. Seven. L. Paul Verhoeven. Good movie. Good movie. Yeah. Love Hamaguchi for putting it on. Yeah. Six. Trace of Breath, Haruka Kamori. Sure. Five. Love Battles, Jacques Delon. Oh, okay. Do you know that movie? Nah, I do not. Okay. Four. Gibo and the Shadow, Manuel de Oliveira. You made that up. No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> Three. Hereafter, Clint Eastwood. The Hereafter? Are you kidding me? The, like, Mad Damon is a psychic movie? 100%. Jesus. Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Number three. Hamaguchi, what are you doing? Of the decade. Two, Unstoppable, Tony sure. Scott. Mm-hmm. One, Film Socialism, Jean-Luc Godard. Oh. It would be really funny. Who is it? What Which director is it that puts his own movies on his sight and sound list? Oh. Was that Schrader? I think it was Schrader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Schrader. Did That's... Schrader put Taxi maybe, Driver? Maybe, I think. Or maybe he like puts his own movies on his top ten list. Either way, I th- I'm definitely thinking of Schrader. He did put first or four. Not first. Or four. He put a card counter on his on top his top ten, 10 of, of last year. I mean, I just, I love it. I love just, it as a move. But yeah, you know what? He did a good job. He does pat deserve on the back, it. baby. Yeah, he does deserve self pat. And then he, Ryosuke Hamaguchi goes over and uh, pats Clint Eastwood in the back yeah. for hereafter. That that's that is unstoppable. I get because that has sort of been like critically reclaimed as like a hipster good movie. Nobody's has out here. that been. I haven't heard that in the Clint Eastwood. Circle, but no, say so hereafter. Like, no, no, no. Unstoppable. Yes, hereafter. Nobody talks about that movie. The thing is, all the 2010 Clint Eastwood movies I feel like are getting reclaimed. Like American Sniper, Richard Jewell, Sully, The Mule. All these movies are getting this like resurgence of like. Nah, late Clint, best even even fifteen seventeen to Paris. I'm hearing getting critically fifteen nineteen. It's fifteen seventeen. Is it really? I don't know what the numbers are. I I pretty did not, sure it I is. I did not I'm, did not will not watch. Yeah, it's fifteen seventeen. Um, I've I've never heard hereafter try to get reclaimed, and no. our boy Hamaguchi is going to lead the way. I guess. You know, you know what? Really, no one's talking talks about is from even this year is Cry Macho, like. Because we had, like, the mule did get people being like, I don't know, the mule kind of good. But, like, cry macho, just nobody, <laughs> no one even bothered with that one. Poor Clint. Yeah. Dude needs to uh, to slow it down. Oh, before we before we resume, by the way, the, the text that, like, stopped me in my tracks when we started recording was that Matt texted me, uh, one of his friends that he's on happy hour with. He just texted me. He's like, Sean listens to your podcast. <laughs> I was like, What? Okay. I'd forgotten. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. I'd forgotten that he told us, uh, or that I'd forgotten he told his friends about the podcast. Um, and even though he did, it didn't occur to me that anybody listened to it. And so that's why I was like, who does what now? Sean, when are you dropping your top 100, what top 10 of the 2010s? <laughs> top 10 of the 2010s. The world is waiting, What's Sean. What's funny is my, like, um, you know, I, I was going to say, I have friends who don't, um, like even watch that many movies, but are like, I don't know, I'll check it out. I'm like, okay, this probably sounds like a whole lot of nonsense, but you know, I I appreciate the support. Um, all right, do we want to go back to talking about uh, Deja Vu? Sure. So we talked about the car chase, and so it's around this. We time- need to get to Larry. Larry. 
Matt Craven, the Oh, yes, partner. sorry. See, that's, that's, that's where I was transitioning to. That's what I was transitioning to right now. Um, I, I remembered his last name. I did not remember his first name being Larry. Because um, they, they, just... they only call him Minuti. They say, just say Minuti yeah, over and over. So, I was reading on a wiki, and I was just like, it was Larry, like Larry. Especially Larry, Larry Minuti. Um, so we find, so like, very, again, this movie, not subtle, and I love that for it but like in the beginning where yeah. it's like where's Minuti oh my partner he's not here he's on vacation I'm like well that's gonna end up being super important in like 20 minutes yeah. and what do you know because then it turns out they find Minuti's car like at the docks and so it's like oh shit you know what happened he was supposed to be on vacation why did he why was he there now he was killed in the attack or whatever um but what we find out actually happened is so after Denzel sort of finds out that he can shine a uh laser a uh, little laser pointer into the past and he can do the car chase with the past he basically realizes he can in fact affect the past and he's like can we send stop can we send messages back and they're like well you know it's really hard we're not sure you know blah blah, blah. and they try and they are actually able to send back a note they basically like yeah. write a note that's like hey this guy's gonna blow up this ferry at this <laughs> place in time you should check that out and he, like, is trying to send it to himself, but he, because of, like, he, like, some goofy reason walks out of the, the room they're in together. They, like, have this conversation. He walks out of the room. Um, and then his partner finds it instead and yeah. goes to look and then confronts the terrorist and, and gets killed and the uh, the people <laughs> at the uh, Mission Control really Center. Part. Yeah, the people at the Mission Control Center, as you can imagine, um, feel pretty bad about this. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the message they you know it's it's a real sort of maybe we shouldn't be messing with the past situation it goes back to denzel saves the day at the end but he has to die right yeah and and because they're like so they after they send this note back and then this happens basically the next evolution is denzel well they they get all this information i'm going back but yeah but that before before that happens sort of you get what could be the ending they catch the bad guy Oh, yeah, they, yeah. They catch, oh, yeah. You have to remember, they catch him before the final act of the movie. They catch Carol yeah, Orstadt, right. uh, and basically, like, he confesses, and they catch him and everything. And so Val Kilmer's like, our work here is done. We did what, you know, we used the technology. We caught the terrorist. So, you know. Denzel's like, nah. And Denzel is like, nah, um, because he's like, she, all those people still died. She still died. Like, gotta, you know, his partner still died. You know, isn't there something we can do? And basically, no, no, no. Um, but he appeals directly to Adam Goldberg, the scientist behind all of this and his luscious haircut, um, and is like, can't we send me back? And he, and Adam Goldberg says something to the effect of, like, if you go back, you're going to die. Or so, I can't remember yeah. exactly what he says, but, like, they, they sort of make it very clear. Like, because it's like, what happens do, they, if you go back? Won't there be two of you? What will happen to current you? Like, won't, ha- you know, and he's just like, we don't know. We don't know what will happen. Um, he's like, but going back, you have to be prepared for the fact that, like, you could die. And so they're going to send him back. But, of course, Terminator rules apply, <laughs> more or less. It's not quite Terminator rules where only organic material can go back. So you have to be, like stark naked but they do have a rule that's like you can't take things with you you have you you want to send back the minimal amount of matter as possible sure so he can't take his gun he can't take his id he can't take you know he he has to strip down to his underwear and curl up in a little ball in the time travel machine and be sent back 
that way. But this, because they're like, you know, it's going to be traumatic on your body. We're not sure, like, what's going to happen. The strategic choice. We're going to drop him in a hospital. They drop him in a hospital, like, in an ER. So, like, basically he, he's sent back in time and he's immediately, like, being resuscitated by yeah. ER docs. Still, like, again, this is where if you start, like, you're like, how do they think he ended up there? Like, why? Like, <laughs> did he just pop into ex- like? Once you start trying to pull at those threads, the whole thing's just going to unravel on you. But in a clever piece of business, they send him back to the hospital. He gets, you know, jolted back. Now he's in the past and he can immediately, like, make a run for it and track down uh, Claire, Paula Patton's character, and rescue her from where they know. Because he also went to the site where, like... This guy was, like, holding up and murdering people and, like, murdering yeah. his partner and, and where she would have been murdered and everything. And so he uh, can chase them down. And the Carol, the bad guy, gets away, but he is able to save her from her murder, at least at that moment in time. You can save her. You can save her. That, but he gets shot in the process, and that's when he takes her back to her house. That's when all the bloody rags and stuff show up. That's when he writes that you can save her. That's when he has to start convincing her that he's, you know, you know, he doesn't real come with me if you want to live kind of situation. Um, <laughs> that he's from the future. And um, including like, well, so here's something that I really liked. So she's kind of going along with it. He's like, I'm a federal agent. I'm here to help you. You know, I'm part of a secret surveillance team. He's a terrorist, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, he starts saying things like, your house is on the way. Let's stop there. And then when he really crosses the creepy line is when he tells her to, like, not wear the outfit she's wearing and go put on the blue one instead. Which, like... That is a Vertigo reference. Oh, okay. Um, I will say what I liked about it is that if you are worried that you are barreling towards an inevitable conclusion in a time loop and you know she's dead in the red dress... I, too, would say, go change your outfit. <laughs> I yeah. know when we find your dead body, you're wearing that red dress. Please don't wear that red dress. Change your clothes. Maybe that's the one thing you need to do to avoid ending up dead. So, Anything to break what happened right. in so the I, past. I love, from, from a sort of time travel logic, I love that he's like, no, 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 please don't wear that. But where he makes the mistake is like, go put on the blue. And so, of course, she immediately is like, absolutely not. Who are you, you creep? creepy guy she has a gun that i can't really remember why she has a gun um if it's something she had or if she had like lifted it earlier but then you know basically is like you're a stalker you're a creep and he has to start um proving to her that he is in fact from the future which he basically does by like um predicting her phone calls and voicemails and stuff. Sure. And that's when he's like that's going to be your friend Beth. She's going to say she's sorry for calling so early. And that's how we hear the voicemail that we heard earlier where she picks up and she's like, are you joking uh, me? Yeah. Um, so, again, has he gone back multiple times? Is it all a time loop? Doesn't matter. We don't know. Um, but, and then there's the line that's going to get repeated later. The like, you know, what would you say if you had to convince somebody, you know, tell somebody something they're never going to believe? Well, you know, I'd just try. Yeah. Um, and so gets her on board and they go together to the ferry <laughs> to, uh, stop the, the terrorist attack. Um, and we see, so what's interesting, I will say, 
we re we this is when we re see the opening scene of everybody arriving on the yeah. ferry. Except for this time, it's not in the sort of creepy, turkey jerky. Like this time, it's just like people getting on a ferry. Like it doesn't have that like bum bum bum. Mominous. Um, ominous. Yeah. Um, Tony Scott like action style. So, but they they get on the ferry. Um, and I can't remember exactly. I've watched this twice in the past two days. Like what they do that like changes uh, Orstat's plan. But like he's supposed to set the bomb and then go to the bridge to like watch it explode. But he realizes that like something's afoot and he ends up staying on the boat. Yeah. She's not supposed to get on the boat, but then she jumps on. So then everybody ends up on on the ferry on the boat for our final confrontation. Yeah, you're starting to break more and more of what right. happened in more the More and more things are exactly starting to, yeah. Because basically, once the three of them are on the ferry, that's when I was like, okay, now they've broken the chain. Like, now everything yeah. is so different that, like, you know, it's going to blow up or it's not going to blow up, but things are, are different enough that we are sort of out of the previous continuity. Um, and then there's just a lot of them, like, creeping around the car deck, finding the bombs, the poor security guards saying, like, hey, passengers aren't supposed to be on the car deck. And then getting pretty blown away by uh, the terrorist C- when Caviezel. he, yeah, Caviezel when he comes down there. Um, the 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 chase slash fight sequence here is is very tense. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very tense and pretty claustrophobic, given you're in this like entire area just filled with cars. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's something you through. don't like see that often, where people are like literally like sort of like squeezing through parked cars and yeah, everything. And then he he captures Jim Caviezel's character captures Claire Paula Patton and yeah. like puts her in the car with the bombs and um hand like hand like handcuffs her or like plastic tie handcuffs her yeah, right yeah. to the car um so Denzel gets in um and then Jim Caviezel's like shooting all the security guards and stuff and then they basically just like run him over real hard <laughs> yeah with the car so the, yeah they do two things one they because we're like we're really down to the final seconds of this whole situation so they like gun it and just like fully smush him uh pin him between a couple of cars smush him is a good they, they really smush him they really just like um <laughs> take him out. and he's like fine he's like fine he's like he like does like that sort of very 90s 2000s like terrorist thing where he just had like fully automatic weapons like under a coat kind of thing and it's just like shooting up uh, the place yeah it's it's really it's true like bruckheimer style over the top uh gunshots uh but even after they have taken him out of course the bomb's still gonna go off and so then in maybe the most like bonkers over the top set piece then they're like okay well now we're gonna gun it and somehow their car loaded with bombs. This they're in like a like a truck thing. Like they have to drive through or over like a half dozen <laughs> other cars that they would have just been like, like they would have just like <laughs> no. But they like go through and then over and then the car like flies off the ferry and into the water, um, which is good. Except for now they're caught in the water. And he, she's got her hands. She's got her hands tied to the well, steering wheel. Yeah. They kick out the windows, and he like dislodges the steering wheel. I think is how he gets her. I'm trying to. I thought. I thought. I think. I don't think he gets ago, the handcuffs yeah. off. I think like literally like the he is able to like disconnect the steering wheel or something. But he gets her. That out. would make sense. I'm trying to visualize it. Yeah. 
I watched it killing me. less than 24 hours ago. Um, <laughs> but as, as was inevitable from the moment this plan was put into action, she escapes, he gets trapped in the car, and he, like, tries to get out for a minute and then is kind of like, well, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is what, uh, how this was always going to go down. <laughs> and then the bomb does go off, but since it's underwater, it's kind of just like, you know, as, as you see in movies all the time. You're 100% correct. He dislodges the steering oh, wheel. Okay. How did you just confirm that? It's on Prime, so I just opened Prime oh, real quick. Smart, just, smart, uh, smart. Yeah, the, oh, scroll to I missed it at the beginning. This movie is on Amazon Prime, so. Yeah, just go watch just it. Just go it's watch free, it. People. It's sitting on Prime. Yeah. If you can't, if you don't have Prime, go to your local bargain DVD bin. It'll be it's there. for three ninety nine. What's so funny, so we picked this movie like a, a few days ago or a week ago, and it was literally last night when I sat down to watch it, and I was like, oh my God, I don't, like, is this streamable? <laughs> like, I didn't even check in advance. And I was prepared, like, I was going to buy it if I had to, but. It was sitting right there on Prime. Um, And so this now, this final scene is the single scene that I remembered very well from my memory. Like this scene to me, like, is the one. Because this scene is amazing. So, yeah. You cry. Yeah. So he he gets all blown up. And so she's back, uh, you know, she's pulled out of the water. And she's like, she is just like full, like, you know, crying and like breaking down and like very I, I think very well played like anguished kind of um reaction yeah i i feel like paula Patton. to be fair I, I don't think she's a great performance but i think it's mainly because they just don't give her a lot in this movie no to do. she is just kind of she's a the girl she's like a chess piece in this movie yeah she's she's yeah, a bit of an but object that's, She's one of the, the most finale, brilliant though. things is because at the very end, she switches to the mm-hmm. entire point she of view. We're always viewing her in, in the, the movie. In the final five minutes, yeah. And you switch, and instead of us trying to view her, she sees Doug, yep. who comes out from behind like a pillar or something. Wearing like, like the he's... biggest shirt you've ever seen. It's like the most 2006, like... <laughs> is it a Hawaiian shirt? It's, it's, it's some, it's not a Hawaiian some like, little print, pattern but shirt. It's, but it's like, it's that style. It's like very... Uh... Ca- casual yeah. Friday at the ATF investigation, which in yeah, this and universe, he's like, oh, I didn't know I'd have to be cut it in this called in in this universe. The um, fairy didn't blow up, so he's pretty chill at this moment. Yeah, yeah, but um, he just walks right the, up, and it, it's it's like even if our psycho, self obsessed, insane heroes have to die, yeah, in order to try to make what the, he the hero itself because she's like she's like oh my god this. She's like, I think she says like Doug to him, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He exactly Denzel, and it's again, and now another the, moment it's like that the Denzel first. sells it. Yeah, yeah, because she like it's emotional. It is. Yeah, it she is realizes, thematic. She basically realizes that like okay, because he was in fact that was him from the future. Like he's still alive in this timeline. Um, and yeah, the way she says Doug, and he's like, Yeah, do we know each other? And she was like. Yeah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, and he like doesn't really, he's not like, what? You're crazy. Um, and all they've said to him is like, yeah, we fished her out of the water. She's somehow messed, tied up in all of this. And then he's yeah. just like, okay, you just come get in your car with me. Just come get in the car with me. We'll just drive off. Which like, Denzel, I'm not sure that's the actual procedure here for the witness to this. <laughs> no. uh, but they go, you know, and, and the look on her face, like the relief and sort of like the joy and everything. She plays it so well. Playing it so well. and That's it, the thing is, I think it's almost effective because they give her nothing to do. Right. Until this moment. Yeah. And, the, and then the absolute best thing is, you know, like there's a moment where he sort of does, he's like doing like a double take where he's like, did you, are you, 
I just and like you really and he's like she's like what and you're like oh my god he's gonna say it he's gonna say (laughs) but he he convincingly acts somebody experiencing a sense of deja vu and yeah does not actually say oh sorry i just had a moment of deja deja vu vu. i like literally like holding my breath i'm like wait does he say it do they actually end on but no he he incredibly convincingly plays someone being like okay okay you know like where you can tell that he's feeling what feels like deja vu and they don't say it. And then she repeats the line to him of, you know, what would you say or how would you tell someone something that they wouldn't believe? It's deja vu. It, it is deja, it is deja vu. vu. Yeah, it's uh, it is excellent. It's a, it's a very, very satisfying ending. Um, it's the best, like it's literally the best ending. It's so impactful. I think for me, like the thing about this, movie that I was thinking a lot about sort of what makes it so good. And like, I really do think that like there's well-crafted action sequences. There's really interesting themes about time and, and, you know, watching people in our lives and things like that. But like, this is like one of the most ultimate examples of a movie star movie that I have seen in so long. It is so like Denzel on screen is just so watchable. Like <laughs> from beginning to it's end, amazing. like through that very end, just literally didn't want to look away because I'm just like I just want to watch like what he's gonna do next. Like I know, it's it's so like that to me was my main takeaway. Like there's a lot of good things to recommend about this movie. Um, I think it looks. That's good. That's the thing to the recommend with. Good, I mean, like, every Denzel movie, yes. but he especially knows how to lock in Tony Scott's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to do that. Yeah. Um, it is because everything is so heightened, like so and, hyper. Yeah. Yep. You I know, agree. He, he's gonna, he's going to get like forty shots of coverage, mm-hmm. ten close ups. The camera's going to go swooping needs to have around behind you and then over your shoulder yeah. and then yeah, and then he's going to throw a light in front of your face and go. Wah! Yeah. But he and and the way that Dendel just like truly just like smiles his way through this movie of ridiculous like every time something ridiculous happens he's just like okay does Denzel have the best movie smile he does I really I really think he does um you I, so I saw Mississippi Masala recently which is can't wait to watch that not a comedy but it, it, it's sort of like a sweet romantic drama mm-hmm. um so Denzel gets to be happier in it more than most of his other movies because yeah. usually he's pretty serious god yeah just every time he smiles he laughs. You're right. It's oh. so rare that he gets to smile and laugh in things. It's really, really rare. Um, and sometimes, then there's other times like he laughs a lot in Training Day, but you do not like it when he laughs. Like <laughs> there is, there is that. There is like Training Day, and I was going to say, you know, my one of my favorite all time movies and performances of his is uh, in He Got Game. Where he sort of similarly, yeah. like, it, that's the pretty intense movie. And even when he is sort of, like, smiling or laughing, it's kind of similarly where he's, like, like, trying to mess with this you. This is dark. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel great about this. Um, yeah, I'm kind of just, like, quickly scrolling here and, like, oh, man, he's made a lot of good movies. Um, yeah, because often when he does, like, yeah, a lot of these movies, when he... Even when it's, like, a character who might be sort of joking around, it's usually, like, in a dark context. Like, I'm thinking about something like Fences, which I think he's phenomenal in. Um, oh, yeah. Have, you haven't watched Tragedy of Macbeth yet? No. Oh, he's so good in it. He's really, 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 really fantastic in that. Um, you know what? I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> um, I just love that he's just, like, still 
just still bringing it like as, as much as ever like dude's almost 70 years old and just freaking killing it so scrolling through his wikipedia page mm-hmm. or sorry uh his uh letterbox his filmography page. yeah i'm looking at these movies he's got mm-hmm. how many of these movies are forgettable to trash without him and oh. are actually pretty good with him yeah is it almost every one i mean it's, I, it's, it's a, a lot of them tony but... scott is still a very good director mm-hmm. but like domino he doesn't have his cast there and i think domino has suffered critically Domino's even from the people that reappraise tony yeah and it's not it's because denzel's not there because he can perfectly convey what he needs but even stuff like equalizer book of eli book of eli is the most bonkers movie i've ever seen it's weird um, and it's still good. Uh, a movie I've seen that's not good um, is Two Guns, <laughs> the Denzel Washington, uh, Mark Wahlberg the, joint. I was about to say, who's the white guy? It's Mark Wahlberg. Um, they're two guys and they both have guns. It is kind of an action comedy. That's a weird movie. Um, I haven't seen Safe House. I always get Safe House confused with Unstoppable. But Safe House is Ryan Reynolds and Unstoppable is Chris Pine. But, like, yeah. somewhat close back-to-back, maybe literally literally back-to-back, he was paired with, like, up-and-coming young white movie up-and-coming star. yeah. White dude who had a one's <clears throat> straight-cut haircut with a little shaggy beard. One's a little uh, better, in my opinion, better. than oh the my other. Um, so much better. Um, um, yeah. But even, like, uh, just flight. Yeah. Flight ha- is not the best it's i don't think it's very well written at all yeah i'll never and see you throw, that movie you throw john goodman and flight together or john goodman and denzel rules, yeah. together in flight and it starts to work i'm never gonna watch that movie um no thank you i can barely get on an airplane as it is i'm not watching flight and then uh ever getting on an airplane again really yeah really. see i i flight is such a you movie in my mind i thought um, you would have watched it like five times no by now. Are, you, are you kidding they rule it turn that plane upside down they're gonna roll it i know i saw it (laughs) but like we had to see the trailers for fucking i feel like that was one of those trailers that played for like months yeah that that and shutter island the trailers that played somehow for like two full years Um, the duly appointed federal marshals um yeah but there's one of these movies um and then we'll wrap up in a second here what was it one of these movies i was looking at where i was like oh this is only oh oh you know what so I like the movie Inside Man, um, the the Spike Lee oh, bank robbing that's movie. That's an awesome movie. It's an awesome movie, but I feel like of all of the, like, it's not my favorite Denzel performance. It's like, hmm. it's, I kind of feel like he's showing up and doing um, Spike that a favor. That may be one of the very few <laughs> movies where, that's true. Like, I feel like that, 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 that's, that's one of the only one of the ones where it could have been anybody, maybe. I don't, I don't know if it could have been anybody to what Denzel gets it to, but he's not the one... Elevating Clive or the most Owens, memorable the performance, showy performance. It, like which, it, yeah, which and is a that's skill rare for him. A, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I you know, I think, and that's why it kind of feels like he's like almost doing Spike Lee a favor because it's like it's not the showy lead role. He really is sort of receding into. I mean, he's good. He's not bad in it or anything. But it's just it's so different. Um, I forgot the other yeah. cop, and that is Chiwetelagia for what a. Oh, and Willem Dafoe's in, like, one scene. What a weird movie that is. Um, <laughs> it's a very weird movie. Yeah. What a, what a, what a weird movie. Um, but, yeah, should we, uh, should we rate? Uh, yeah, I'd love it. Deja Vu. So, uh, thumbs up for you for Deja Vu. Up. Thumbs up for me as well. And then out of four stars. 
I have it a four and a half on Letterboxd. So do I. And. You got to round up. This is the closest I've come to going just full five out of five on Letterboxd. I still don't think it's fully there. Well, but would you give it, but, but if you're going out of four stars, you're going to round up, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm going for it. I feel like that's an easy call. I, I same thing. Oh! I didn't go five stars on Letterboxd, but I did. I, I it's, a, it's an easy four and a half for me. Um, again, in uh, I keep bringing this up these days, but that Roger quote about how like you need to evaluate movies based on what they're trying to do, like yes. this is like I think a very very great execution of what this movie is trying to do, um, and it's good stuff. <sighs> this is the thing. Um. Also, like, what Roger's talking about there is taking on its own sort of mm-hmm. face value. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this. Uh-oh. But it, this this goes along with what Denzel is doing. But Tony Scott, maybe since Yasujiro Ozu, has uh, <laughs> found the most Sorry, way did, to did put... I, did I make a face? <laughs> <laughs> you turned, like... What? Ozu? Tony Scott? I, I, was glancing, I was glancing at Letterboxd and I heard Ozu and I was like... Mm. <laughs> but the the amount of emotion or gravitas in a single frame where he's just like, that, that okay. that's like what we're going to capture that we want to look at. It He captures as much as like Scorsese or Ozu would mm-hmm. in a different way, but just that, and that's something that's truly special as far as directors go. Yeah. I don't disagree. Good movie. Great. Do we want to? I We have not like recorded a regular episode or like, anything in so long. <laughs> Do you want to shout out anything that you've watched recently? Um, anything oh, else? I, you you got you to go. Let's, uh, let's, let's just call it here. Okay. We can just call it here. It is. We are like right on time. We're only like two minutes under. This is just... Have we ever done this? Have we ever gone a tight one finished on point five on no because I think we needed to get off at one point five no because normally uh, if we do finish talking about the movie early earlier we just uh, bullshit for like forty five more minutes. Hey, you got a what is it? Uh, is it your book club tonight? No, no, we just have to have dinner um, because it's seven thirty and I have not eaten dinner. Um, Oh, go eat. Yes, going to go eat. Um, But yeah, that was fun. Deja vu. Um, We are going to be back. Oh, God, no. Next week is uh, 2021 Best Of. That's our next episode. Yep. I mean, I don't know what order these are coming out in, but that's our next episode we're going to record. I'm very excited. Yeah. That's that's only all there is to say. Um, But yeah, we'll be back um, uh, next time. Talking about our favorite movies of 2021. I can't wait. Always my favorite. I'm so excited. So until then, Roger out. Roger out. Woo. Awesome. Other notifications are turned off. Doing this on a weekday, so I'm like, oh, God, all my work stuff is still here. Okay.
If you could believe it. It's Friday. I didn't watch today's video. Um, I saw I saw like a tweet that was like, today's video is different. Do you like talk about the war? Uh, no, I don't think it was anything different. Oh, I thought someone said someone that he did something different on today's video. But does he do that every week? It's my understanding. Did he did he do them all and just bank them? And just, just puts them out randomly. I don't know his schedule. Um, I do not know if David Lynch pre-records his Friday videos. Sorry, now. I like how I was like, we're going to be super focused. Um, and now I'm pulling up today's David Lynch video. Sorry, I'm watching the David Lynch video. So I, apparently, according to what I'm looking at here, he does like these daily weather reports on YouTube. And then every Friday is when he says, if you can believe it, it's a Friday once again. So I don't oh, think okay. he uh, banks them, but. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the weird guy. All right. Sorry. One more. One more dumb thing popped up on my phone. All righty. Sorry, not a dumb thing. I was just watching. I'm watching that Apple TV show, The After Party. Sure. That I've told you about. Um, and literally without me knowing this was going to happen today, uh, that like sort of friend, acquaintance of mine who's an actress, the one who was on The Office, uh, popped mm. up in the episode. Like I was just oh, watching nice. it and she walked in through the door and Matt was like, I'm sorry, is that Kellen? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and then she played a very important part in the episode. So I was just messaging with her about it. Oh, nice. Yeah. She was very, very excited to be on the show. Okay. You ready? Yep. Okay. 